of this about me, um, uh, do, well, do me a favor. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4. So you get a Bible, Philippians chapter 4. Uh, so it's in the New Testament if you're new to the Bible. If you're new to the Bible too, you can get the uh, Bible app and just go to Philippians. It'll be really simple for you. Um, but uh, Philippians chapter 4, if you didn't know this about me, I have a condition known as strabismus, which simply means that one of my eyes, my left eye in particular, uh, my brain shuts it off because it's weak. It doesn't have very good muscles in it. Uh, and so my brain shuts it off. And so I, 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 I see the vast majority of you right now, I see about 95% out of my right eye, and a very little comes through to my brain and my left eye. Pretty much, I just have one eye, and uh, and so had surgery as a little kid to make sure that my eyes weren't going everywhere. Uh, but uh, but I see pretty much everything out of my right eye. Now, when I was a kid, I was playing baseball one time, and I was in the, I was in the field, and I, a ball hit a rock on the field, uh, and it popped up, and it hit me right in my right eye, my good eye. Uh, right smack dab in my face. I was fine at first, kept on going, uh, no big deal, shook it off, and within 20 minutes, my eye was shut. It was sh- it was swollen shut all the way. I could not open it anymore. And that's a problem if you only got one eye. Like, that's, that's really bad. So the only thing I could do is I had my left eye looked fine, to everybody else, uh, so to my coach, he's just like, "Well, you're you're fine. Like you you, you can still see out. You know, you got one eye. That's why God gave you two. Um, so so just go." And he just patted me on the back and said, "Here you go." And he put me up out to bat. Now I don't I can't see. And can you imagine a baseball player who can't see, like trying to hit a baseball? It was a horror movie. Like it just did not. It didn't function well at all. It was horrible. Uh, and so I struck out immediately, and my parents showed up at the game a little late, and they, were, they told the coach, like, he really can't see out of that good eye uh, that you think is good. Because here's the deal. You couldn't tell at all that I was struggling inside. He didn't know that I was, I was having this internal struggle. Everything on the outside looked fine, but everything on the inside wasn't, and I couldn't see. What are we talking about that? This entire series, this idea that maybe on the outside everything looks fine, but on the inside there's something really, really wrong. And I've got a great story of a church, uh, one of our church partners uh, that's here this morning. I want I want you guys to hear her story. Uh, I'm so thankful for Terry and her husband Dan, and they're they're here this morning, and uh, grateful to continue to tell their story. And uh, it takes a lot of courage. And let me let me acknowledge that, but also let me acknowledge you guys for uh, for being here. A lot of you knew that we were going to be trying to tackle the subject of of depression, anxiety this morning, and you still showed up. Uh, we were planning on having some snacks so you can stress eat uh, during the sermon, uh, but uh, um, but we didn't because we're poor. So anyway, but uh, we we. Uh, <laughs> we didn't do that, but um, anyway. But we're, we're, I'm thankful that you guys are here because, you, I mean, it takes a lot of courage to know that that's the subject matter, to know that that's what we're going to be talking about, and still be here this morning. Uh, so let me let me thank you for being here, and uh, thank you. I, mean, I know that probably some of you showed up this morning not knowing what we were going to talk about, and then figuring out, hey, we're going to talk about depression and anxiety, and that immediately makes you anxious. Uh, I'm I'm sorry for that, but I'm glad you're here. We locked the door so you can stay in. Uh, so. No, just kidding. Um, but uh, but we're glad that you're here, and I'm especially excited uh, that uh, that we get to have this conversation because I want I want it to spark numerous conversations in our MCs, in our uh, in our huddles, in our uh, in around the dinner table, around the family dinner table, in the car on the way home, uh, just in your interpersonal relationships, or you know whatever it might be uh, at work. I want us to unearth conversations about this particular topic, because normally the church doesn't talk about this, and that's our fault, uh, that we don't like to talk about uh, depression and anxiety, because 
Church is supposed to be a happy place. Uh, this is the place of joy and rejoicing, and everybody's supposed to be fine, especially when you come into church. But Dodger was right when he said, hey, this is a place where we can be vulnerable with one another, where everything is not okay, and, and we, can, we can just be real. And so we want those conversations to keep going. We want to start them uh, through this series. So a couple notes just as we get, get ready, not only for this sermon, but as for the rest of this entire series. I want to go over four important things for the entire series that you guys should know. Uh, Number one is this, uh, that there is no experts on the stage. There's not going to be a single expert on the stage. It doesn't mean that we don't know what we're talking about, but what I mean by that is we're not going to stand up here and judge you. Uh, There's not going to be any judgment up here. We're also not going to be up here and say, hey, you just need to get over it. Because a lot of times when we have depression and anxiety, it's just, hey, why just snap out of it. The people who don't struggle with that are just like, I don't get why you can't just get over it. That's not what we're going to say. That's not going to happen from the stage. We're not going to judge you from the stage. And we're not a bunch of doctors who who have degrees in this kind of stuff. That's not going to happen. So just just know that we're just real walking through this with you. Um, The second thing is this that we're not going to have any to-do lists. A lot of times we, we think about anxiety, depression, and we think through those blog posts are like, here's 10 things that uh, you need to do to get out yourself out of depression. That's not going to happen either. We're not going to do that. Uh, we, we believe that we are children of God, not his employees. Uh, and so we're, we're not going to just hand you a to-do list of things to do. Now, we're, we are going to take you, we're going to take you to help you take some next steps, but we're not going to hand you 10 things, pick three, and hopefully you'll be better in the morning. That's not going to happen. Okay? Uh, so the third thing th- is to, that there's not going to be any silver bullet prescriptions. I'm not going to say, stand up here, propose a problem, hand you one scripture verse and say, if you just read this three times and memorize it, then you'll be all better. Uh, that's not going to work. Uh, you can ask Terry, who you just saw in the video, that's not going to work. I mean, it, like, you, you have to think, you have to think through this on a deeper level that we're going to go on a journey together. And really, our goal is for you, wherever you are, uh, you're, that you're going to take a next step. That's our goal, okay? And then the fourth thing, and probably most importantly, is that no one is too far gone. There's no one in this room that are too far gone. There's some of us that struggle just a little bit with anxiety, depression, and there's some of us that struggle a lot with anxiety, depression. Uh, and so, but I want you to know that no matter where you are, that you're never too far gone for God to heal you. It's amazing that sometimes that we'll sit in groups and we'll pray for each other for physical healing. I have cancer. I've got a heart attack. I mean, I've got heart problems. I've got, you know, I got a broken arm or whatever the issue is. And we'll say, okay, we're going to pray for God to heal your physical body. And we do so. And then when somebody says, you know, I'm struggling with anxiety or I'm struggling with depression, we're just like, ah, you might need to see a doctor about that. And we don't, we don't think through the idea that the God that made your body can heal your body. It's the same God that made your mind can heal your mind. So let's think through that together. And no one is too far gone. So as we talk about anxiety and depression, what is it? Uh, it, it because there, it can be very confusing and disorienting. When we put those two words together, what we mean is, is that when you're anxious, your mind is racing at an unhealthy level. That you are ramping up and your, your mind is everywhere. It can't focus on anything because your mind has so many thoughts in it. Your mind is racing at an unhealthy level. Depression is the exact opposite, but similar. Depression is the exact opposite where your mind crashes at an unhealthy level. Okay? Anxiety, racing at an unhealthy level. Depression, crashing at an unhealthy level. 
We don't want to do either of those two things, okay? And so, but they are two sides of the same exact coin. So, uh, so what does the Bible have to say about that? That's pretty important because sometimes what, if you were just look up the word anxious in your Bible, it does appear several times. If you were to just get a concordance and look up the, book, the, the word anxious, it, you'll, you'll find some scripture passages that may make you more anxious, okay? That's just true and honest. So I want to walk through a couple of those passages, hopefully understand them together, but then also look at the flip side of all of it. Because I'm not sure that, it, because when you look at it on the surface, even the Bible, is it, it just seems like, it's not, the Bible's never confused, we're the ones who are confused, but it just seems like on the surface that the Bible's confused about this issue. That's not true, but we just need to read it and think through what it, what it has to say. So Philippians chapter 4, uh, verses 4 through 9. Uh, This is one of the key passages on this whole topic. It says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And get this. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So there's some big terms in there. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, he says it again. Again, I say rejoice. That we should be joyful all the time. He's almost commanding us to do that. And then he says, of course, do not be anxious about anything. It's a very absolute statement. And then he gives us all these wonderful things. And he says, think about these things. Now, where did Paul, the writer of this text, get this? He gets it from Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. You don't have to turn there. It'll be up on the screen. It says this. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, or what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is not life more than food, the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than them? Jesus says, don't be anxious about anything. This is the, the, our God, Jesus, saying, don't be anxious. So this is where Paul gets it from. And so when we read that, we're like, dang, man, it comes from Jesus and Paul's repeating it. Does that mean that I'm sinning when I'm anxious? Does that mean that I'm walking away from God when I'm anxious, when I'm depressed? Is that what that means? Because that, that's, that's tough to take. But then we'll read other pieces of Scripture. Like Ephesians chapter, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 3. It says this, For everything there is a season, and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what was planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. And get this, a time to weep and a time to laugh. And a time to mourn and a time to dance. So there's a season for everything. And then, let's check this out. In Matthew chapter 5, which just happens to be the same exact sermon as Matthew chapter 6 that I just read from, 
Matthew chapter 5, Jesus, in just a few paragraphs before, says this, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Wait a minute. First he tells us, okay, you're blessed from God if you're mourning, if you're in depression. And then he says, oh yeah, don't be anxious about anything. How is that even possible? And then you have Jesus himself, Luke chapter 22. This is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane right before he's about to go to the cross. It says this about him. And he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove it from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And therefore, and there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And get this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. This is the same man who preached to the people, do not be anxious about anything. And in this moment, now I know that it is pretty despairing uh, because he's about to be crucified and he knows it. So he is in in the forethought of his brain, I'm about to be crucified and tortured and then I'm going to die. He's hoping that God would take it from him, but he is so anxious in that moment that he is sweating drops of blood. How is it that he commands us in one breath to not be anxious? And then Paul repeats that, saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. But then you have other texts that say, Blessed are those who mourn. And Jesus being so anxious that he's sweating blood. How does that make sense? The answer is that Jesus was a man just like me and like you. That this is part of the human experience and Jesus was just as human as you and I. Have you ever been, been in suspense over a good book or a movie or maybe a ball game? You're, you have no fingernails left because of what you're experiencing in that moment. It's suspense and you're, you're anxious about what's about to happen. What about, what about if you've lost someone that is that is dear to you and you've loved them and you're crying and you're weeping maybe for days, weeks, months. Is that okay? What about if you're anxious? What if you're about to have a child, your first child? What if you're anxious about what's about to happen? How's it going to go? What's childbirth going to be like? What's it gonna, how am I going to do as a parent? You're anxious and asking a lot of questions. What about if you find out that you have cancer and they call you up and they say, hey, we need to start your, chemo th- uh, your chemotherapy. Isn't there some anxiety there? What about a drive of an athlete that says he doesn't want to fail? And so he prepares endlessly for that one moment. What about, what if you're just swimming in shark-infested waters? What, what if you know that you're in the water with a deadly animal? Sometimes anxiety can be good. It's going to help you survive as a human person. So I'm not... I I don't think in these passages that they're saying that some form of anxiety is sinful or bad. It's part of the human experience. Jesus experienced this. He mourned with people after their loss. 
He cried with them. He sat in the garden and sweat blood because he is a human just like me and you. And he experienced those same same feelings that you and I feel. So what do we do then with passages like Philippians 4 that says, Rejoice always. Don't be anxious for anything. Make sure you think on these right things. And this is what we're going to be talking about through this whole series. But I think in this particular passage... How do we look at that and get something and walk away with something? I want you to say this. I think that we need to look at this passage particularly and, sit and think of it as a warning. We need to look at it and think that it's a warning. Because here's the deal. And Dodger said it earlier. It is okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay. I think Jesus had some moments where he was not okay. And he was very vulnerable with his, with his disciples. And I think that's the human experience where we should be vulnerable, that we should, we should share each other's burdens, that we should walk with one another and say, you know what, today I am not okay and I need you to help me. But I think that it'd be bad if we were perpetually like that all the time. And I think that that's what they're getting at in this, in this passage is it's okay to not be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. So we can have moments or we can have days where things are not as they should be. But we're not going to stay in those. We're going to move forward and God with his his help and walking with God, he is going to allow us to take some next steps to walk away of depression, walk away of anxiety. And we're going to walk with him where we know that it's not okay for us to stay there. So I think it's a warning for us. The second thing is this is I think in this passage, it is that we see that it's a concerned father. That God is a God where he, has, he is the father and, and we are his children and we are not his employees. So if you think about this phrase, if you were to look at your friend, you say, you know, had a good meeting together, a good meal together, they were at your house or whatever, and they're going home, and they get in your car and your words out of your mouth are this, drive safe, drive safe. That's a command, isn't it? You're telling them to do something. What if they responded? Now, all of us know what that means. But what if we responded, you can't tell me what to do. I don't want to drive safe. I'm going to drive like a maniac because I want to, and I'm free. We We don't feel like that that person is commanding us to do something in that moment. What we know intuitively, is that person loves us and wants the best for us. They want us to return home safely. And so therefore they say, drive safely. It's not a command. It's a loving, it's a loving, concerned thing to do. And so in this passage, what God is, what, what God is trying to say is, listen, it's okay not to be okay. It's just not okay to stay there. And so I love you. And this is the essence of the gospel. That God loves you and wants to save you. He's not going to force you into relationship with Him. That's not the idea. He has given His Son to die for you in your place for your sin. He's not going to force you into relationship with Him, but He is going to offer it to you freely. 
and say, I desire you. I'm concerned for you. Your, perpe- your, your perpetual sin- or sinfulness is headed in the wrong direction, and I want to give you uh, in, uh, some, uh, some, some times where you need to be obedient so that you would follow me because I love you. I want the best for you. And so passages like this are saying, it's okay to not be okay. I still love you when you're not okay, but it's not okay for you to stay there. I want you to be a part of my family. And so he says things like this in Romans chapter 12. He says in Romans chapter 12, the first two verses, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And now get this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your, what is that? Your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. What the scripture is telling us is that God desires to transform our minds. He wants us to think on and ponder on the things that are good and true and beautiful and commendable and pure Because oftentimes in our darkness and in our sin, all we begin to think about is ourselves. And we begin to think about all of the depressing and anxious things that are all around us. And we can't focus. And what God is trying to say through his scripture is, I want to to transform your mind so that you begin thinking about the things that are pure and good and beautiful. I want those things to come out. And because in the end of all those things, the things that are honorable and commendable and pure and good... You know what comes out at the end? Peace. And so a concerned father just wants you to take a next step. We're not going to produce a bunch of things for you to do. We just want you to take a next step. Why? Because God is indeed near. If you look back on your Bibles uh, to Philippians chapter 4, I love this verse. Verse 5, at the end... You'll see, well, you'll see, it says, it says, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, period. And look at this, look at how this is, the grammar works. The Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything. That's how it should be read. The Lord is at hand, do not be anxious about anything. Some of your translations might say this, the Lord is near, therefore you don't need to be anxious about anything. That the Lord is so close that the peace of God might reign in you because he is near to you. He's not far away. And so therefore you can be transformed in your mind because he's near to you. Now, uh, my experience lately as we prepare to go overseas. um, So my children have a lot going on there. A lot of people ask, like, how are your kids doing? They're doing really well. They they run the gamut of emotions. uh, And uh, and, and so sometimes, especially at nighttime, uh, when they lay in their beds, just like you and I, their minds wander to all the things that are going to be happening in our future. Uh, and so sometimes we'll be sitting in the living room, 10 o'clock, 1030, and, and one of them, no doubt, will always come down and he'll say, Dad, I, I just can't sleep. 
and I'll, I'll say, what, what's going on, buddy? And he says, uh, he says, well, I, I just, I don't know. I just can't sleep. There's just, I'm thinking about too much. And I'd ask him some questions. This, and he, most of the time he's just thinking about what's going to happen in our future. Uh, and so there's been times where I've kind of, I've read scripture with him. I've given him some pointers about, hey, this is what you need to be thinking about. And, hey, why don't you just take some time and pray? We've prayed together, all of these things. Uh, we've done certain things together. And, and he'll just look at me with these, like, kind of quasi-teary eyes and uh, you know it gives me a hug and then he'll go upstairs and he'll come back down a half an hour later and say dad I just can't sleep I did all those things that you wanted me to do I just couldn't sleep I just I, I was like did you did you pray yes I prayed did you did you did you did you um uh, did you were you thankful for the things that we have yes I did that did you pray and tell God what you wanted yes I did all that but I still just can't sleep my mind is just wrestling with everything and so there was one time where I had gone to bed, and he comes down again. And he says, Dad, I just, I just can't sleep. And so I was just like, I was out of options. I was like, I got nothing for you, buddy. And so he just climbs up, and I just hold him. Chest to chest, hold him. And I could feel his muscles so tense, and his joints are so tense. And then minute after minute after minute, he just begins to relax and relax and relax until he's snoring on my chest. Because God is near, we can rest. Because God is near, we are at peace. We can do a lot of different things. The Lord is at hand. You don't need to be anxious for anything. So we're going to walk through this series together. Um, let me just give you a, just what's going to happen in the future over the next couple weeks. So next week, I want you to be right back here, 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock. Uh, we're going to be looking at the root causes for depression and anxiety. I want you guys to join us for that. Uh, then two weeks later, we're going to be looking at forgiveness. What does it mean for you to forgive other people? What does it mean to, for you to forgive yourself? What does forgiveness look like in general? You really want to be here for that. Then the week after that, we're going to be looking at healing. And we're going to have some people on the stage that are going to be telling their story. I really want you guys to be watching out for that. How How is God going to begin this transformation process of healing your brain or healing your mind and walking with him in this transformation? That's what's happening with the series. Let me share with you a couple things, just resources real quick. So we're going to have some books available out there in our bookstore. I want you to pick something up from there. Uh, we also be pumping a lot of information uh, through our Facebook page over the next couple weeks, some resources, articles, videos, really good stuff for you guys to share. I would just take a moment and read some stuff. It would be really, really good. Uh, and then in a moment, we're going to have a time of response where we're going to sing together. We're going to have another worship time together. Uh, but we're going to have our missional community leaders and our staff in the back of the room at these back two tables. And if you're just like, hey, I, I'm walking through this and I really would love somebody to pray with me about any concern that you might have, that you've got questions or concerns that you want to walk with and pray with somebody, we're going to have folks back there, men and women back there that would love to receive you, love to pray with you, love to walk with you. And so that's, I want to invite you to do that when we stand in just a minute. Uh, but I know that that takes a lot of courage to walk to the back of the room and get out of your seat. So I want to, I want to shoot this email address for you. Do you write it down? It's care at churchcanebay.org. Um, and, uh, you can, uh, you can just email anything you want to, to that email address. It goes to one of our pastors and he will respond uh, appropriately to you to make sure that you get the help that you need and point you in the right direction, pray with you, walk with you. Uh, and it can be in a more 
more private setting. So I just want to we'll place that in front of you as an option as, uh, as well. So here's what we're going to do to close out uh, our time together. We're going we're to worship for a little bit of time, but um, I want you guys to, to think through this. The main message of today is it's okay to not be okay. And so as a church, we come into this place, into this worship gathering, and we all are not okay. We all have brokenness in our lives, and, and thank God that he has saved us. And, and I, but, but I think, uh, but on a regular basis that we should come to God and say, God, things are not right in my world. And, and it's okay to not to be okay. And he gets that. He wants to listen to that. And so in a moment, we're going to worship. And you can lift your hands if you would like. It's the, the universal sign of surrender. We'd love for you to do that. Uh, and and you, oh, what you're saying is, God, I'm not okay. And all I can do is rest in your arms. So that's what we're about to do. So why don't we stand together? We'll pray. And I want us to worship. God, thank you. We surrender to you. We lift our hands in surrender. We recognize that you are the good God of all things, that you want to transform our mind into peace. You want, us to, you, you want to lift us up out of our miry pits, our, whole, our, our holes in our life where we're depressed. God, I'm, I, I just pray for those in this room who are walking through that at a deep level. And God, I pray that they would find sanctuary here, that they would see this as their strong tower, that they would run to it and be saved. So, God, I pray that you would help people to respond if they need to respond. I pray that you help people to worship if they need to worship. God, I pray that you would allow us to surrender to you. We love you. Thank you for saving us, Jesus. Amen.